from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's What's Trending. Let's get into it. At GEICO, you have a choice of ways you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online at GEICO.com or stop by the GEICO office nearest you. Let's do this. Cax. Look at me. I'm already way ahead of last week. Uh, there's still time. <laughs> All right. So the Panthers take on Tommy Brady. TB12 will be the starter for the Buccaneers on Sunday. Pan- the Panthers host the Bucks 1 o'clock, Bank of America Stadium. This we know. But who, uh, who are these people? Who is going to be the quarterback for your Carolina Panthers? Will it be? Baker Mayfield, who missed last week's game with an ankle injury. Eh, probably not. Will it be Sam Darnold, who hasn't played at all in the regular season with an ankle injury? He's eligible to come back to practice tomorrow. A little bit of intrigue there to see if they go back to Sam Darnold or not. Will it be the XFL Mahomes, P.J. Walker, who started last week in the loss to the Rams? And Cox, I don't know if you saw... The, the passing chart for P.J. Walker, who attempted 16 passes, I think nine of them were all either behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I could throw the ball just as far. It was embarrassing. He was 10 of 16 for 60 yards. Walker's QBR for the game was five. Five. Oh. In an NFL game. Hmm. Jacob Eason is who finished the Rams game. Silly me, I was watching the Bills and the Chiefs. I didn't, I wasn't, I, did, I thought Walker got benched for being incompetent. No. No, he hurt his neck? Yeah. They tested him for a concussion. He passed, but he did have a neck injury. All right. So, Walker, so basically everyone that's not named Jacob Eason is hurt. Yeah. To some degree or some degree or another. Basically. Eason, who they signed off the practice squad last week, was three of five for 59 yards. He did throw a pick. His quarterback rating for the game was one. Yeah. One. So if you're keeping score at home, the Panthers had two quarterbacks complete in NFL game. One with a quarterback rating of five and the other with a quarterback rating of one. Those are the options this week. Now you tell me. (laughs) We have speculated, and I did back this summer, that the, the Panthers were going to tank. At the time, we didn't quite know the phenomenon that is called quiet quitting. I have since dubbed it quiet tanking by the Panthers. Mm. Once you fire your coach and now um, dust off Jacob Eason from the practice squad and or Sam Darnold from the injury list, is it really quiet at this point at one and five for the Panthers or is it just outright tanking? I will ask you that because based on their play calling against the Rams, it wasn't so quiet. At the end of the day, that's about all I can say to that. It's, yeah, quiet tanking. Look, they're just not good. They're, they're shouting and tanking at this point. Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, CJ Stroud sitting there number one, you're thinking. Right now, if the season ended today, Panthers have the number one pick. And I would say this to you. The Something last to time the Panthers to. had the number one pick, they took Cam Newton at quarterback. It changed the fortunes of the franchise. And it wasn't an easy pick to make. Yes, Cam Newton was coming off of a national championship. But there were still people 
who were in doubt about a mobile quarterback, about the you know read option type quarterback, which Cam Newton was at Auburn. So I think it's actually a good position for the Panthers to be in. I've said this all week while people are like, man, the Panthers, it's going to be this 90-year rebuild and you know Rome is going to rise again before the Panthers rise again. No, look at the Giants. They didn't even have the number one pick. They just got back Saquon Barkley, who they took number two in the draft the year that they did. But if you have the right coach, the right play caller, and someone who can handle a quarterback, as we see with Daniel Jones, that's not a that's not a franchise changer. But if you can handle the quarterback and put him in the best position to make plays and succeed, you have a chance in the NFL. That's what the Panthers need to hope that they can do because I don't have a whole lot of faith in David Tepper, but I do have enough faith that I think he could get it out of the way and let the Panthers do what they need to do this offseason. One in five, Cox. 11 games left. Did they get to four wins on the season? No. Uh, here's here's You know what the sad thing is? They're only two games out of first of the division. Right, because the rest of the division still not good. is not great. Not great, Bob. All right, next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Carolina Hurricanes. They're three games into the NHL season. They won their 12th straight October game last night. 5-1 to one over the Seattle Kraken on the road. Part of this West Coast trip for the Canes. They're now 3-0 and on the season. Andre Svechnikov had a pair of goals. Seth Jarvis had another goal. Before we get to Adam's two minutes of, of hockey, two minutes of gold, Rod Brindamore dusted off one of my favorite sayings last night. And every time I hear this, I always think of one of Rod's good friends, Sidney Lowe. Because absolutely, absolutely, Rod Brindamore got this from his guy, Sidney Lowe. You need your best players to be best players if you want to have a, you know, any type of a success as a group. And so far, those guys have been you know, three games in, but they certainly have done their job. So we need to keep that going. Will you remind me, please, Cox, the next time we talk to Rod Brendamore okay. that, that we, I would like for him to do an absolutely, absolutely for us? Because two of the there was three signatures from Sidney Lowe. Your best players have to be your best players. Yep. You got to make shots. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we've gotten your best players have to be your best players. He's, he's adopted that mantra since, yeah. the, since the end of the pandemic there. So I love that from Rod Brendamore. But I need it. I need an absolutely, absolutely. I, w- I want to got to make shots. We can have those too, yeah, because it, it's a, hey. applicable to hockey. It does. Hey, Again, Sidney Lowe, noted hockey philosopher, all of his basketball sayings could be applied <laughs> to hockey. So we need to get that for the next time we talk to Brendan Moore. But first, we got two minutes from Adam Gold. I've got two minutes for two stars who were too good for the Seattle Kraken last night, fellas. Sebastian Ajo got it started. It wasn't a goal. It was an assist. Seth Jarvis had the goal, but Ajo makes the play. Ajo, side of the net, tries to get a little cheeky, tries to kind of stuff one in on Philip Grubauer. Grubauer was there, but Seth Jarvis followed the play, got even cheekier than Sebastian. Boom, 1-0, 3.35 in. Carolina had gotten off to slow starts in the previous two games. Not so on Monday night. They got off to a fast start and had a lead early in the first period. Not a lot going in terms of scoring for the next 
20-some-odd minutes, but they did have a lot of chances. Shorthanded, Ajo and Teravainen had chances. Ajo had other chances, a great pass to Jarvis in the back door. But ultimately, the power play parade started in the second period, and that was all she wrote. Carolina had zero power play goals coming in. Ajo gets the first one from the left faceoff circle, a one-timer with kind of a whip wrister. And that's right, I said a whip wrister. And then Andre uh, Svechnikov picked up one on a great pass from Ajo. Just a quick punch pass right to the faceoff circle on the left side, and Svechnikov didn't waste any time. A little snapshot past Grubauer. That made it 3-1. Svech got to the front of the net and tipped in a Martin Natchez drive. Carolina scored three times in 223 of the second period, and then Jordan Martinook finished the scoring with a uh, goal with about five and a half minutes left in the third. But Carolina was super good, and their two best players, Ajo and Svechnikov, were awesome in the game. I will say this in the in this two minutes of hockey brought to us by Dysart Willis. I think the second Martin Natchez penalty, he could have used my man Christian Dysart or Ryan Willis. He could have used one of them because I thought that was bogus. An absolute bogus penalty. But you know what? The Hurricanes killed off the penalty. So, justice. See? See how I worked that in? DysartWillis.com. Go check them out. Hopefully you don't need them. But if you do, you'll be happy that they're there. It's Adam Gold. You can catch the Canes Corner podcast after each Canes game this season. So far, three games, three wins. Easy game, right? 82-0. Next stop for the Canes? Easily. All right. What else we got next? All right. So the New York Yankees taking on the Cleveland Guardians game five of the division round. It's in New York. The Yankees have a 4-0 lead right now in the top of the third in the the guardians do have the bases loaded right now big break from the yankees last night rain out they had jameson tyon scheduled to start last night good he's he's a perfectly acceptable major league pitcher he had a fine season for the yankees but he certainly wasn't the one that you would have liked to have the season on the line and that pitcher on the mound nestor cortez instead starting this game just gave up his first run it's four to one now uh, big break for the Yankees. They've already gotten home runs from Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. There's been a lot of complaints, though, with the playoffs in this new format, in part because we had the Dodgers, best ma- best record of the majors, eliminated by the Padres. The Mets and the Braves, they won 101 games each. Mets also eliminated by the Padres in the wild card round. And the Phillies then eliminated the Braves. So is the problem there isn't enough of an advantage given to the division winners and the teams that have the best record in baseball. Define problem. Because how we got here was baseball went to a wild card round, and for about 20 years, the the team who was getting in, would the wild card winner, too many times would win the World Series because they were just basically given same access to the bracket as the division winners. So in short, there was no advantage to winning the division. Okay, so baseball went about trying to change their format. They've tinkered with it. We had the we had the pandemic year where it was best of seven. They had 16 teams in. Mm-hmm. It felt like a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a bit. All right. <laughs> I, I didn't like the one-off wild card games because that's not fundamentally what baseball is. It's not a one-off sport. So if the season's not based on one game, you shouldn't get to the postseason and then have an elimination game. Just my opinion. What they settled on was a best of three wild card round 
Okay, I like that. The, the division round is now best of five. Now, the advantage of not having to participate in the wild card round is obviously you can save your pitching and line up your pitching. The Dodgers, while they had an unbelievable season, Dennis Cox, they don't have unbelievable pitching. So they got got by the Padres, who have hot pitching right now, even despite the fact that they had to play in the wild card round against the Mets. The Astros won 106 games. They've advanced on the AL side. What this comes down to is no matter what you do during the regular season, no matter the format, do you know what you need to do in the postseason? Like, I can't believe I even have to get worked up to say this. Win. You have to win. Ah, imagine that. You have to win the games. What do you want, a Manfred runner on first because you won 113 games? Actually, yeah. You want to start every inning with a run? I, d- I, I think they should do this. The number of wins that you have in a decisive game, number of regular season wins when it comes to a decisive game, in this case it's a game five, whoever had more wins, you should be able to pick innings, how many innings, depending on win differential, where you can have a man for runner on. So you just start the – you or, know what? Or do you want to do it like six, the – You want to do it like the golf playoffs. You want to do it like the golf FedEx Cup? Yeah, sure. Where you not? have a 10-stroke advantage if, you have, if you're number one in the standings? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. You know what? Or like supermarket sweep, right? I got three minutes of time. You got two thirty. I get to go shopping before you do, and we end at the same time. What's what's? Let's adopt those rules. I mean, people want to I mean, get ridiculous with it. People are upset. I I will say this: the five game format is gives an advantage to the underdog because you only have to win three games. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. In what I mean by advantage is. You're still on the road, number one, but you're also, your pitching is out of sorts. So you still have an advantage as the division winner. It is easier, obviously, to win three games than to win four from the best team in baseball. That's simple math, and I get that. And I suspect that will be the tweak going forward. I suspect the division round will be bumped up to the best of seven. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I also think... The three, five, seven progression through the leagues, and then of course the World Series is best of seven. I think this is a nice balance. I hope baseball doesn't change it and overreacts based on one postseason. But you know how baseball is. You know how the Manfred Man is. I don't have a lot of confidence that the format will will remain the same. But as we see it play out, look, the NL side. Did, did anybody want the Padres and Phillies? Probably not. Um, on the AL side, everybody wanted the Yankees and Astros, and if the Yankees can take care of business today, that's what we're going to get. So, I think it'll work out in the end. But jeez, like I don't know what you people want. My team won 111 games. Yeah, that's the regular season. The regular season is the regular season. Yeah, congratulations. You have yeah. home, you have home field advantage. Now go win more games. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Cox. What's next? Number two. All right. So shout out to our friend Josh Graham. Uh, radio host this time of the day in the triad. Josh was sitting next to me at the Carolina and Duke game Saturday night, and we watched Tennessee kick the game-winning field goal to beat Alabama 52-49. Great game. Unbelievable game. Entertaining game. Like, college football right now has it all over the NFL so far this season. And I know people are like, oh, college is 
it's too slow or they're, they're you know the games take too long or they're, they're it's all oh, it's only Alabama and Ohio State. No. No, no, no. So far this year college football has been far more been entertaining than the NFL. It's just been flat out fun. So I'm watching this game and, and Josh after about we get about midway through the second quarter of Carolina and Duke and he and he looks at me and he goes is it possible that three SEC teams could end up in the college football top four? And then we started thinking about it. We're like, well, Alabama doesn't play Georgia in the regular season, so that's good. But Georgia and Tennessee, obviously being in the SEC East, they do play each other. So the scenario goes a little bit something like this. Alabama wins out. They win the rest of their games. They get to the SEC championship game. Georgia beats Tennessee goes to the SEC championship game, loses to Alabama, which is what happened last year. So now you would have Alabama 12-1 with a loss to Tennessee. You'd have Georgia 12-1 with a loss to Alabama. You'd have Tennessee at 11-1 with a loss to Georgia, but the win over Alabama. Their group record would each be 1-1 in the round robin there. Partial round robin since, uh, well, it would be a round robin by that point. So what do you do? How do you parse those one-loss SEC teams? We've seen two SEC teams in the college football playoff. Just last year, we saw the rematch between Georgia and Alabama. Can it, is it even possible for there to be three? I would say under this very specific scenario, it is at least possible. Now, there's going to be probably need to be some cooperation. If you look up at the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan are head and shoulders better than everyone else in that league. Yeah. They will play each other. Last year, Michigan got the best of Ohio State. Will that be the case again this year? I don't know. But I feel fairly confident whoever wins that division will end up in the Big Ten championship game unbeaten and then play maybe a three-loss Illinois team in the championship game. I mean, it's not going to be that that big of a contest in the championship game. No, it's not. Clemson right now with Wake Forest already in their rear view. With NC State fully healthy, Devin Leary in their rear view. They have Syracuse this week. It's at home. I, I, I just don't see Clemson losing before the ACC championship game. They also went down last week, beat a, a feisty, talented Florida State team on the road where Florida State started hot. And they just kind of put their fingers over them like a match. That was it. Clemson's got it figured out now. I think Clemson shows up in Charlotte without a loss. Now, while I'm confident that the Big Ten winner is going to go on to their championship game and win, I am not that confident that Clemson can beat Carolina in Charlotte. I actually think Carolina can just outscore Clemson in Charlotte. So if you get there on Selection Sunday... Even if Clemson wins, let's just give Clemson the win. Mm-hmm. I think they'd put, I think they would put the one loss Tennessee over Clemson. Yeah. I could, I could see it. An unbeaten Clemson, I could absolutely see it. I, you know, we talked to Michael Felder from In the Bleachers before. If you missed any of that conversation, you can catch it on the Best of the OG podcast. He brought up the possibility. Look, UCLA still unbeaten. Yeah, they still have to play USC, which I imagine goes the Trojans' way, but we'll see. TCU unbeaten in the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is a that's just a it's a brawl. All those team, any of those teams can beat any of the other teams in that league. So I, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. But I could definitely see a scenario where you have Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan winner, 
and Clemson on Selection Sunday without a loss. And then those three SEC teams with one loss. How would you even parse the three SEC teams at that point? Yeah. How do you leave one of them out? Things will burn. I don't think you can. Things will burn. I don't think you can. So keep it on your radar. We have this way in college football of, of, of planning out the, the worst case scenario, the doomsday scenario, and it never comes home. But this one at least feels plausible at this point. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin might have something to say. What's up next here? Kiaks. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. Yeah, the while college football has been fun, see that Tennessee win and dragging the goalpost down into the river, the NFL hasn't been. It's been a no-fun league. Why is that? We'll talk about it next. And, yeah, we were subjected to another Broncos horror show last night. The Broncos fall to the Chargers 19-16 to in overtime. Somewhere, Phillip Rivers has to be cackling that the Chargers finally won a game by a late field goal. Seemingly never happened for him while he was with the Chargers. The Broncos now, in prime time, have a loss to Seattle. That was a Monday night game. They have a Thursday night loss to the Colts, and now another Monday night loss to the Chargers. In those games, they scored 16 points, they scored 9 points, and they scored 16 points. In short, the Charger, the Broncos have been terrible in primetime. The other games haven't been much better. That is not to absolve the other games that we've seen in primetime. We had a 12-7 game on this Thursday night between the Bears and the Commanders. That was garbage. We've seen Tua Tungavailoa on Thursday night get knocked out into next week in a very serious situation. He's allegedly going to play this week? Cox, that can't be real. Maybe. Trying to, at least. Wow. Brings up a couple of different issues with the NFL. What is the problem with the NFL right now? Because when you look at where scoring is, let's look. If you ask me the number one reason, the popularity for the NFL, it's fantasy football. Right now, fantasy scoring is down at a 13-year low in, in the NFL. And you might think, oh, that's fantasy scoring. No, that's just offense, Okay. So it's indicative of where the level of offense is. Well, why is offense down? The quarterback play. Tom Brady is a bazillion years old. Aaron Rodgers is out in the desert sucking on cactus leaves and drinking tea. He hasn't been very good. Those are the two main faces in the NFL. Who's left? Yeah, we got a great game between the Chiefs and the Bills. Can they just play every game? Rest of the week? Rest of the season? Because that's about all we can stand at this point with the NFL. It's been terrible. I don't know if there's an easy answer either because the injuries to the quarterbacks, the hits to the quarterbacks, that's where you have to protect the quarterbacks. You have to protect the, the your stars. And you're seeing a lot of pushback with these penalties. Fans aren't happy with the penalties, but I got bad news for you. It's the only way to enforce it and the only way to possibly keep your stars upright. So the NFL has a problem. Oh, you know what their answer was, Cox? They added another game. This week, today, big news from Amazon. There's going to be a Black Friday game. Of course. So now the NFL goes from now they're on Thursday nights. During, you know, Once the college football season in December rolls down, they're on Saturdays, they're on Sundays, they're on Mondays. And now, of course, we're going to get a Black Friday game next season. Uh, NFL, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. 
Panthers take on the Buccaneers on Sunday. I can't tell you who the Panthers quarterback is going to be. They've they got injuries to P.J. Walker. They've got injuries to Baker Mayfield. They've got potentially Sam Darnold coming back from an injury. They do have Jacob Eason. Does Jacob Eason know he plays for the Panthers? Does, well, it sounds like D.J. Moore wasn't quite sure. <laughs> then he, well, gave, he gave the excuse he didn't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. His name's Jacob Eason. It's not Chilio or Ovi. It's like yeah. this was, this was not phonetically challenging. I mean, uh, he did just get there. No, I, I mean, yeah. but it was just kind of funny the the lame excuse sure. that he gave. Um, so we know Tom Brady will be the quarterback though for the Buccaneers. Tommy uh, Avocado Tommy and his no strawberry ice cream had a very interesting week last week. He took his usual Wednesday off because he hates his family and his kids. And and his and his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife and he's a terrible human. Wow! And he's an ego egomaniac. Um, then on Friday he went to the wedding of Robert Kraft, who was his old boss, who he didn't even thank by the way when he retired. Just in case you're keeping score on that front. Um, then Saturday doesn't go through the walkthrough. Then Sunday he plays like crap, but blame the offensive line for him playing poorly after no showing the whole week. I think I, I think I summarized Tom Brady's week thusly. However, it's not exactly how how Avocado Tommy saw it. This this is explaining why he decided to uh, make a show on the sidelines on Sunday's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers and what he was trying to accomplish with his offensive line. It's a bad day when there's more f bombs than touchdowns. The only reason why I'm doing it is to try to motivate them and try to get us to a higher level. You know, if I don't feel like we're living up to the expectations and playing up to the expectations that we're capable, then it's that's my job. You know, I'm a quarterback. That's what my job is to try to get us going and to try to rally us. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And sometimes it's getting on people and trying to raise the level, the sense of urgency, and raising my voice and trying to create a different vibration for the whole offense. Good vibrations only. Um, yeah, sure, Tom, whatever you say. Listen to the OG, me and Joe Obvious. We have our hot and cold picks each week. They're posted every Thursday on the fans' Facebook page, brought to you by Any Day Heating and Cooling. We had a good, we had a good hot this week with the SMU horse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there, was, some, there was some solid hots and colds in there. I mean, I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm, I'm sure Darren Ravel could probably answer this question is because they're using Powerade cups to pick up the droppings of the SMU horse. For those that don't know, on Friday when SMU and they have a, a live horse or pony uh, at their games, that they just trot out there on the field after touchdowns, just goes sprinting across the middle of the field. Well, it left some droppings behind. We'll just go ahead and leave it at that. Basically well, with every step. Yeah. And the officials tell SMU, like, hey, you got to come clean this up. So poor guy has to go out there with these – Paper there, power. There's multiple cups. people, yeah. Yeah, just picking up picking up droppings. I'm just curious with all the airplay that Powerade is now getting off this, how much is that equivalent in terms of like advertising? But is that something you want associated with your drinking? But it's all about product. your image being out there. That's the thing, Julio. And if it might taste like that. Fair but enough. But that's <laughs> the point. Is how much I'm just curious with the amount of airtime they're getting with replays on ESPN, yeah. social media. I wonder, how, like dollar wise, how much is that worth? 